This is my instant reaction to Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Good fine folks at Constantine Films are back with another installment of the Resident Evil franchise. Constantine Films, of course, you may know from such hit films as the unreleased 1994 Fantastic Four, which Marvel very, very quickly disavowed. And if you are a longtime binge lord, that's what we call our listeners around here. If you're a longtime listener of binge movies, uh, then you know that many moons ago, I did a ranking episode of the entire Paul W.S. Anderson, for lack of a better term, Resident Evil series, and it broke my brain. If that's still available, you should go check it out. It's one of our most popular episodes. Um, I'm not sure if it's made it back to the stock room or not yet. The stock room is what we call uh, the content that is only available on our Patreon. We're going to be migrating some of the older content to Patreon for all of our patrons. So uh, go to patreon.com backslash binge movies. Cheap plugs aside, let's get to the film. Per usual on these instant reactions, it's a very unstructured thing. I go to the theater, I walk out of the theater, I fire up a microphone, and I formulate my thoughts uh, on a podcast. And it's just literally impressions. It's not a deep dive review. I typically do spoiler free up front and spoiler filled in the back end. Uh, it's going to be hard to do that with this movie only because it is essentially the plot of the original first two Resident Evil games. They are have cherry-picked characters and ideas and settings and scenarios and plot points from the first two games. Now, I will freely admit to you that when these games came out, I was too terrified to play them. I do own them on PS4, and I'm still too terrified to play them. Uh, actually, I just haven't gotten back into them yet. Uh, and got into them for the first time. So I, I have not played these games. I've not kept up with the series at all, and I've not played the games uh, probably since the early 2000s. Uh, I just was, yeah, they're scary games. I wanted to come into this situation with a couple of positives right off the top, okay? Um, but I have several questions before I get to the positives. The question I have about this is in a world where we have Three Halloween movies called Halloween, but one of them is a reboot of a movie called Halloween, and one of them is a sequel to a movie called Halloween, but it's also called Halloween. Wouldn't it make the most sense in of any franchise that has ever existed, wouldn't it make the most sense to just call this film Resident Evil? I'd go so far as to say I think that was, at some point, the intention. But for whatever reason, they got it in their mind that they needed to add this Welcome to Raccoon City, maybe to differentiate it from the long-running and fairly high-grossing, uh, against budget, Resident Evil series of films uh, You know that, that Paul W.S. Anderson started, Milo Jovovich, uh, his wife, starred in. Um, wouldn't it make the most sense just to call this Resident Evil because... This has your Wesker, your truer to the video game Wesker, Redfield, uh, Leon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Vickers, you know, when you just, 
I don't know. I, it just that just threw me off. Like, who thought "Welcome to Raccoon City" would be a great title? If you're gonna go that far afield, title wise, why don't you just call it like "Resident Evil Raccoon City"? Or why wouldn't you just call it Raccoon City? I guess Raccoon City sounds kind of goofy, but I, I don't know. I think this is a movie that's being made for fans of this franchise of video games. Um, I don't know that you're going to have a great deal of crossover appeal, especially in this particular era, and especially with the marketing campaign that they've had for this movie. It, it I have not, after the initial push, there wasn't much of like a giant follow-up. And again, um, why was this not released closer to Halloween? Why is this just coming out the week of Thanksgiving? I would guess they're wanting to put distance between themselves and the David Gordon Green Halloween movie. Uh, not a bad idea, but I, I don't know. It just it just seems to me that this it's ill-timed. I don't know if it's COVID-related or whatever. So I'm going to touch on the things that you may regard as spoilers, but if you've played these games, um, then you know what happens in this movie. I mean, it's not... If, I would just go so far as to say, if you've played or if you've watched the older movies that have nothing to do with the games or very, very little other than some references and name checks here or there and some creatures uh, stolen from the games, um, then you have, then you know more or less what's going to happen in this movie as well. It's just kind of a rehash of the same stuff. So... Uh, the ultimate question you want to you're probably asking yourself is, is it any good? And the answer is no. Um, <laughs> the movie starts. The movie has a very long cold open. The cold open is so long that it actually transitions into a second cold open, then a title sequence. Then white screen, white text on the screen telling us like exposition, which is if you were going to spend eight, nine minutes doing this cold open and this initiate this backstory, it's a backstory that turns out to be a dream, which turns out to be a cold open, which leads to a different cold open, which leads to text on a screen. That is just folks. That is a binge movies staple of bad movies. That's like a hat trick, at least. I mean, that might that might be like a quadruple double. It's not a triple double, you know. I mean, that's that's at least four bad cliche writerly things that you could do for a movie, any movie, regardless, let alone a video game movie. So, but during some of this opening sequence, here's a positive. I was like, okay, there is some 70s, early 80s exploitation horror movie, dare I even say some, some Italian uh, shot choices. Uh, you know I'm a big fan of shots around here. And there's, there's some, you know, just, uh, there's some throughout the movie, but there's, especially in the first quarter, there's some split diopter there is there's almost even like a graininess to the to the it almost looks like it was shot in old film a little bit it's not to the extreme of say something of a grindhouse but you'll know the shots if you see the movie you'll know them uh, even if you would have missed it before and now that i've said it once you see them you'll notice it right there's just it's the way that the camera racks the rack pulls it's the way that it zooms it's the way that it zooms out it's the way that it that it 
that kind of slowly creeps up and comes in. It's the angle choices. It's the framing of the shot. It's very kind of grindhousey, not the movie, but sort of the subgenre. It's very um, 70s, late 70s, early 80s horror. And I was going to, my positive review coming out of it was going to be that and certain aspects of the aesthetic and the look of this film, especially what I'm guessing is a relatively small budget. Um, I kind of liked it, kind of dug. And I th- it was definitely on brand for Resident Evil. Definitely has the look of the video game. I would say it has the feel-ish of the video game-ish. Um, it's more of a methodical, slower, less action-oriented uh, until the, we get to a climax. Um, and I was going to say, look, at least the director and the cinematographer did a, did their part because the script is terrible. Well, it turns out that the script is also written by the director. This is another one of these written and directed by. And I was not off in my assumption that there was some inspiration here from late 70s, early 80s, because at the end of the movie, everything is in that carpenter font. Like it was Albertus or something. Everything's in that carpenter font, the carpenter typography, or a knockoff thereof. And uh, so I was like, okay, now I see what you're going for. The weirdest thing is, by about halfway through this movie, that aesthetic decision seems to have been dropped. It's just gone. It just leaves the movie, and it just becomes a standard video game movie. The biggest problem I have with this movie is really threefold. It's poorly acted, poorly written. Who does it star? It's one of those things where they, when they say, we're making a video game movie, and this is who's going to be in it. Like We didn't get Stephen Amell. We got Robbie Amell. We got the girl that played Ghost in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And once you see her in this, you'll realize why there wasn't more of her in Ant-Man and the Wasp. You'll realize why Lawrence Fishburne did most of the talking. You know, it's all of these people that some of them you know. It's like Neil McDonough. If Neil McDonough is not in a Steven Spielberg movie, it's probably going to be shit. I mean, no offense to that guy. But it's it, there's just certain people or a certain tier of actor that when they turn up if it's not in a true independent film if it's it's if it's in that middle range if it's not a blockbuster and it's not an independent film and it's like some guy you barely heard of is directing it yes i know this guy directed in whatever umbrella academy i get it but if it's this kind of mid-tier movie it's probably going to be shit because they, they didn't get the best people they could they got the best people they could afford and this script stinks, and that's the other part of it. The, 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 this is the sort of movie that spends most of its first 25 minutes having characters repeat their own names and each other's names, which I guess is an Easter egg of a sort to fans because at least in this one, there's no Alice. There's not a bunch of made-up characters. It is Claire Redfield, and it is, you know, it is this person and that person. There's Joe Valentine, and there's Leon, and there's... You know, they have to, Leon Kennedy, and they have to just key, I'm so-and-so. And And it's like, it's one of those. And then it has these references. We find the Palm Pilot. We get a shotgun out of a crate. We, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And again, I'm not opposed to franchise references. Go see my Ghostbusters conversation uh, after seeing that on opening night. I'm not opposed to references. I'm not opposed. Look, if you're going to adapt or make a sequel to or do a reboot of an existing property of some kind, you should probably have the shit that's of that property in the movie. 
that's just how it works. But you have to be selective in how you incorporate it. You have to be smart in how you incorporate it. And it has to feed into a story with characters and a plot and something that's going on. The, the plot is real simple. Shit goes down in Raccoon City and they're going to nuke the city and you have to investigate. You, I'm talking about like it's a video game. Uh, there's two groups of people and they converge at a certain point and they're trying to make their way through this town and um, they got to get out of town before it blows up. And they meet a series of creatures that look no better than the early 2000s versions of these creatures in either video game form or in the Resident Evil movie form. The liquor looks, uh, I mean, I'm sure he looks better, kind of, but he doesn't look much better. I'm sure if you did a shot-by-shot comparison, there'd be better shading or texture or this or that, but it in no way, shape, or form does it look real. In no way, shape, or form do all these different abomination creatures that end up mutating and existing there's only a couple of them. Do they look at all real? I think Neil McDonough at some point when he transforms, and that's a bit of a spoiler, but when he transforms and he becomes some kind of a creature, uh, I think that there's a practical, I think they did practical prosthetics and then they digitally um, touched it up or added it to it because it just, it goes from looking like partly real to not real at all and back and forth and back and forth. And then, uh, the final form of the big bad monster in this movie is um, laughable. It's laughably uh, ugly. Uh, it's laughably bad. Uh, so when if you've got bad acting, you've got the, the most of the quote unquote sets. I assume are digital, uh, like the police station. A lot of the town felt digital. It, some of that wasn't bad. Some of like the digital lighting they added and smoke and different things like that, that wasn't bad. Um, there, there's like aesthetic choices in this movie that are like pretty good. And you're like, okay, this movie is kind of getting closer to that sort of in, investigatory, spooky vibe of the, of the game. The difference is the game is scary. There is nothing scary because when monsters do turn up, they're so clearly not a part of any form of reality. There's just this giant uncanny valley you fall into. And on top of that, the zombies or infected townspeople, I think we're all still pretty burned out on zombies. I know I am, having been a huge zombie fan. And even if I wasn't, there's nothing remarkable about these. At, at times, they look even kind of silly, kind of laughably bad. And there were people kind of chuckling uh, unintentionally at certain scenes. And they were not laughing at the handful of uh, bad jokes during this movie. Um, if it's enough to have the characters you played in video games name-checked on screen, then this is a fine enough movie for you. I would not recommend seeing it in theaters unless the tickets are free. And even then, I did not pay for this ticket. I did not pay for the screening. Uh, I got in, and I was—I thought it was so tedious. I thought the first first half hour of this movie felt like an hour. It is a very tedious movie, and it's one of those movies that thinks by adding creepy music and sounds and like creepy dolls and more than one creepy doll to a scene that somehow is going to make it creepy. You know, that that's 
that's going to be scary enough. Like if we have a guy going around with a shotgun and a flashlight around a mansion, uh, kind of in the dark, and a zombie pops out, that's going to be scary enough. It isn't. There's no, there's no, there's not even a jump scare in this movie. Uh, yeah, the the there's no character development. There's no nothing, and the movie does it goes. It does the thing that bad movies, video games try to do, which it goes into this kind of quasi first person video game perspective at least one or two times throughout the film. And I don't know. I it's 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 really tough because if the movie was gonna have that sort of exploitation carpenter smoky style to it, it just needed to like commit to that, stick with it as an aesthetic choice. And go with it the whole way. And instead, and, and, and then on top of that, you needed to write actual characters. We think, like, there are a lot of, this is really weird. There are a lot of scenes, 20, 30 minutes worth of scenes that I think are supposed to be character development and exposition, but they're not. Instead, a lot of nothing happens. Somebody has a conversation and something creepy happens or su- supposedly creepy happens and somebody's eye starts to bleed and that's it. And then you're looking out the window and somebody who's ugly is looking back at you and that's it. And on and on and on it goes. And we could have used that time to build these characters and instead they, they just they just have like one or two lines of an exposition dump where it's like you ran away five years ago and I haven't seen you since that's like and that's it like go home here's my money get out and this cast has no chemistry there's no humor there's, there's attempts at jokes it's in quips it's not funny it's a bad movie I'm just gonna put it like that it's so it's so strange because it's bad almost in a completely different way than the Paul W.S. Anderson movies are uh, at times. But the one thing I'll give those movies is even though they, they are aesthetically divorced from the actual, they're Resident Evil in name only, basically. And even though like the visual style is sort of, of all of them, is aesthetically like very different, it's its own thing. And even though at a certain point the franchise just becomes about like taking other people's ideas and like putting it into a Resident Evil movie, um, at least the, like in the better ones, uh, you have to go back and listen to the episode. I think it's the second or third one that I was like, I actually kind of enjoyed this. Uh, it was what the first one Paul W. Sanderson did not direct. Um, the one that looked like it had a budget and was like kind of well directed. Uh, I think Mike Epps is in that one, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. Um, I kind of dug that one. I, 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 like, I thought that one was like pretty fun. There's a couple of them in there that are pretty fun. And if nothing else, some of them are like dumb fun. This is just dumb and dull. And it's like, if you could somehow get some, some of these cool shots and this cool throwback aesthetic and some of the, some of the more almost like indie horror sensibilities that show up in the first, again, quarter to half of this movie, and actually give it like a decent script, it'd be kind of interesting. Um, it, it would it would it would be a good movie, and that's almost what's more frustrating about it is I think right now it's seeing about like fifty percent approval rating, 
And uh, that's that's where I see it kind of landing. I think that's where it's going to kind of be. Um, I, I think it's going to be somewhere probably like in the, I don't know, 35 to 50 range. I know it's a pretty wide range, but there's just not a lot. There's not a lot, of, lot to talk about. There's not a lot to grab onto. Because uh, at the same time, like, it's the fall of Raccoon City, and you should would think that would be kind of interesting, although we've seen an aspect of that before. They have this like ticking time clock, which is almost more like the shining, where it's like like but it's, it happens like every handful of minutes, and it's like after a certain point, you're saying, okay, well now it's 20 minutes later, or like it's like the idea is every time we we see what time it is situations have gone further to shit in raccoon city fair enough it could have been like a a really good kind of device the issue is our characters our main characters don't know the city is going to be nuked until the last five minutes of the film so they don't know that there's a ticking time clock and because we don't care about our characters we don't care that there's a ticking time clock all we know is the movie it seemed or seemingly edited together with a timestamp. Cut, timestamp, next scene starts. Serves no purpose. Uh, after a certain point, you're like, okay, whatever. Like, I've seen, I know, okay, it's been 20 minutes. Who gives a shit? And there's no story progression. You know, there's, they, it, I understand this one's like on a way lower budget, but like, I don't know, having like 20 zombies in a mansion and 20 zombies at a gate. You know, 40, maybe 50, at most 100 total zombies in the entire town. You can say, well, the town's abandoned and nobody lives here but the poors, which is what the movie says at the beginning. Okay. I don't know. It's maybe, it, maybe it should have been like creepier, you know, more mysterious, more smoky or whatever. I, I don't know. It's just. I think if you're curious about the movie and you're a fan of the video games, my best recommendation to you would be just wait for it to come out on streaming. If you stream this thing, you might be semi-entertained by it for an evening. I think a lot of people are still going to find it pretty tedious. Um, because there's, there's again, there's nothing to latch on to. There's nothing to grip you. There's nothing... It's not scary. It's not thrilling. There are no characters. The dialogue is bad. Um, it's like a, it's like it's like a waste of like the aesthetic isn't consistent within itself. It's just kind of a waste of time. That's how I'd put it. It's 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 not offensively bad. It's not like we're gonna get to some video games here in the next season, season six point one, at the beginning of twenty twenty two, and some of those are like they make you angry. They're so bad. This isn't that, and and it's probably better than the last couple of the Mila Jovovich Resident Evil movies. Um, I would have to imagine there's at least a couple of them that are better than this, even though they're they're Resident Evil in name only. Um, what would that be? Reno, Reno instead of Rhino. Yeah, even though they're Reno, um, they there's like a fun stupidity to them at some point, and I would say in some of them the acting's better. <laughs> I wouldn't even say it's something like the dialogue is better. I, I don't I don't know, man. This is this feels like maybe it should have gone to Netflix or something. Like, you know what I mean? It, it feels like like a really well made straight to video movie. You know, so I think it's all about expectations. If you frame your expectations right, 
then you might enjoy this. I, I didn't. I found it very, very tedious. Um, I was distracted, too, by the people near me who talked through the entire movie. I don't think they were a fan of it. And somebody in the theater who brought a tuna fish sandwich. Don't bring tuna fish to a movie theater. Don't bring Chipotle. Don't bring tuna fish. Don't bring sushi. Don't bring any pungent outside food or any pungent inside food to the movie theater. Don't eat it in a screening. Chomp your popcorn. Chomp your goobers. If your theater even has goobers anymore. And that's it. That's all you need. So those are my thoughts. If you get around to seeing this and you want to, you're like completely disagree with me or you agree or you think I'm missing something, uh, you can always tweet the show at binge movies or email us binge movies at gmail.com. Uh, if you go to our Twitter at binge movies, you, there's a link tree. You'll see all of our links to the Patreon, to uh, all the different places to subscribe to the podcast to our merch, to all the stuff, all the stuff that podcasts are trying to show to you. We got it all in one place. It's on our Twitter. So go look there. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And, I, and speaking of Patreon, this episode is brought to you by one of our patrons. Actually, he's one of our elite patrons, which is the limited top tier we have for patrons. His name is Chris Williams. He's a super supporter of the show. Thank you, Chris. If you want to follow Chris on Twitter, his Twitter handle is in the show notes. If you become an elite patron, uh, you'll be added to the credits of episodes as they come out. Uh, and you will also uh, get your uh, name in the uh, description in the show notes. So a uh, great little way to get yourself over on the Internet. Get on a po podcast as listeners around the world would be like, I, I fund that show. I support that show. I'm elite. I'm an elite patron. Everybody like this guy, this gal, they're cool. Speaking of binge lords, if you're a lady, you're still a binge lord. We don't have binge ladies. We just have binge lords. Gender neutral term, all inclusive. That's how we roll here. So uh, I know we've picked up a bunch of new subscribers. Thank you so much for coming by. I wish this was a more interesting review, but please stick around. We've got some great stuff coming up next week. Last Movie Standing. If you've never listened to a Last Movie Standing, you're missing out because all of our seasons culminate in Last Movie Standing. A lot of podcasts, it's episodic, but doesn't really build from one to the other. It's this topic or that topic. And you can kind of dip in, dip out. I'm not interested in that. I don't really like those movies, so I'm not going to listen to that. Every one of our episodes has stakes, folks, because whatever's added to the guest list or the short list that is going to make up uh, the total lists that competitors get to choose from, filmmakers and film critics at the end of the season, and they have to select the best of the best and debate the two best films from the entire season against each other, and then we give it to you, the listeners on Twitter at Binge Movies. We put that son of a bitch in a poll, and we let you vote. And sometimes some folks come on, they make some wild-ass choices. It's always fun. It's always controversial. So uh, listen to every episode. Download them all. Give them a thumbs up. If you like what we're doing here, too, last little thing I got to get in. Of course, I'm going to ask you. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. I got I to get all the plugs in, man. So uh, that it is what it is. I, I, more than anything, I'm kind of interested in what you guys think of this Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. I found it to be dull and tedious. But at times, aesthetically pleasing. If not, aesthetically inconsistent. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that one. Until next time, binge on. Binge on.